You are listening to Rechurched, a podcast aimed at instigating Christians to be Christian. Hey, what is up, everybody? My name is Ethan Hoover, and you are listening to the Rechurched podcast. And I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Mayer. What's up, dude? What's up, Ethan? So, we are, well, I don't I don't know if I, we're halfway or a quarter away through season two yet, I don't know, but today we're moving out of what we've been talking about the past three uh, episodes, which was the Roman Catholic Church, and we like dove in to like the inner workings, what they believe, um, and why, why did we do that? We did that because that was kind of the next epic or period in church history, right? So if we started from... The inception of the Church of Jesus Christ, which is mainly written about in the New Testament. So Jesus's life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and then his depositing of his Holy Spirit on Pentecost in the disciples and the apostles and the followers of Jesus at that time. And then you kind of you follow the thread or the trail of that torch. And where did the church go? What did they do? And then we spent some time talking about the distinction behind maybe you can say the invisible church and the visible church. Right. The invisible church is the true church of Jesus Christ, steadily preaching the gospel, making disciples, permeating culture, being the salt and the light. And then the formation of the visible church, maybe just church by name or claiming Christianity by name. We call that nominal Christianity or nominal religion. So first century a lot of moving parts in the church. Second century, we are relying on a lot of the epistles or letters that were written by Peter and Paul and the gospels circulating, church governance being laid out in the New Testament. These letters carried so much weight because they were the authority of God as written or spoken through the apostles. Yeah, right. Those witnesses. that were firsthand, that's right, witnesses of Jesus Christ and his life. So when you actually, and I'm, I'm digressing here, when you read a lot of Paul's epistles, what is that letter telling the church to do or not do? It's telling them doctrine. Hmm. And it's telling them or course correcting questions they may have had about practices and questions they had about faith. So Paul and Peter and the likes of these other letters, they are literally, ans- it's a Q&A, <laughs> right? So they're answering questions and they're addressing some of the concerns. And then obviously when they can make the trip to be present, you better believe those assemblies, they're gathering, they're worshiping, they're singing what we know as hymns, um, some of the Psalms from the scriptures, the, right. old, the Old Testament, and then they're discussing the matters of the church. So just think about that setting. Think about the first century gathering of a church and even the second century. Here's an interesting question. Does it look like what our church does today? Yeah, yes and no. Right. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I would say probably maybe, not. Maybe not exactly like the the looks of it, right. but maybe the flow, maybe not flow, but the the aspects of it. Right. You ha- like you said, worship Yep. and sermon. Right. I think those are like the two classic ones that probably right. come together. And that'd be, I'm sure it's on, and earlier you said, 
we have no idea how long this season is going to go because <laughs> this is a worthwhile discussion for later right. on. Yeah. Is church today, as we know it, gathering on a Sunday, is that what they did in the early church? And we close the gap and say we want to be as biblical as possible. So anyway, second century, we rely on what we call the church fathers. Their, their writings, a lot of it in alignment with scripture. Everything has to be brought back into alignment with the Bible. Right. And then third century which is where we see the enstampment or the the birth of what we call the state church. Hmm. It was Constantine. So that was the past several episodes. And if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to those because those are in-depth, right? everything you need to know, and it's quality stuff yeah. for where we're, at, where, where we're at today. And that's why we were talking about the Roman Catholic Church because there seems to be this wide divide in what the church of Jesus Christ was doing hmm. and then the birth of this visible structure or hierarchy from the third century, fourth century and on. Hmm. And that's an interesting deep dive to go, wait a second. Cause that's what everybody thinks of church history. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and to go back a few episodes, like we were talking about is the enemy, Satan couldn't, affect the church outside in right through persecution and so you sell that through the first and second century and then third century comes along persecution ends the state church happens and persecution ends and the outside in from the outside in but then you have the enemy enter in and now he's doing the damage in out inward out. out compromise of doctrine right we did an episode on doctrine why doctrine matters compromising the people in the structure, hmm. um, monopolizing the authority, right? So the, the centralization of the word government governance hmm. all on a man and then the top-down approach from the Pope down to bishops to priests to the people. And it's like we've done the opposite of hmm. what Jesus established. Yeah. So that's an interesting conversation again to have about the same strategy is happening today. Right. If it's happening today in the American context, persecution might be what unleashes the true church in America. So I would fight to keep persecution from happening where I'm standing on truth and saying, no, I'm not going to compromise that. But the enemy has done so much damage from the inside out, the compromise from the inside out with all these crazy movements and all these false ideologies and all these unbiblical worldviews that have been adopted by the church, you're beginning to see a separation occur, right? Yeah. Where true believers, the remnant believers are separating themselves from these mainstream denominations, these mainstream movements. And then what's going to happen is persecution will eventually touch that hmm. smaller group of believers, yep. which will light us on fire again. Yep. So, it's a cycle. It's a and cycle. History repeats itself. And so I wonder if there is something we can learn as the remnant church versus, I guess, the state church, if you will, if we can learn something from that time in history that right. we can apply to today. I don't know. Right. But um, but that leads us to where we're at in this episode, Yep. Um, which is happening. We, you know, Matt just went through a really good recap of where we're at in time, the third century. 
and this is happening in, simultaneously with the birth of the state church. Right. Um, Constantine, first pope, um, Roman Catholic Church birthed. And then at the same time, you have these councils and creeds. The councils are started. The creeds are being formatted, formulized, whatever the word is, and being, you know, shared among communities. Um, and so that's what we're talking about today. So I think the first order of business is what the heck is a council and what the heck is a creed? Right. <laughs> I guess in its simplest form, a council would be a gathering of individuals to discuss the matters of ecclesiology, you know, the study of the church, ecclesiastical discussions. Hey, are we focused on the right doctrines or I don't agree with that. Maybe it's this. And like these councils brought all mm. types of people together. And the word that we use today to describe those gatherings are ecumenical gatherings. They still exist today. So when you hear somebody's having an ecumenical meeting, that's mm. basically individuals from different faith backgrounds. Well, not denominations. It could or, be different denominations and different faith backgrounds. Wow. Okay. Coming together, communal based to discuss inner faith relations. That's crazy. Right, so that's ecumenical. Like um, around this time of the year going into Thanksgiving, there's always these ecumenical meetings discussing how to serve the community. So some of them are positive. Well, at the same time, and I'm going to kind of tease you here, and we'll get to this at the end of the episode, some of these larger ecumenical gatherings are the true compromise mm. of the true gospel. Mm. What do I mean by that? You're seeing interfaith relations hmm. where we're saying we're compatible when we're not, right? Right. We're all serving the same God. That's will be that will be the conversation at some of these larger ecumenical gatherings, right? Wow. And we'll get into that at the end because it's interesting when these councils are taking place in the fourth century, in the fifth century, in the sixth century, as they're kind of unfolding the true church begins to distance herself hmm. from these types of gatherings. That's interesting. Nobody ever talks about that. No. So they would stop sending their represent representatives because they're realizing you guys are off on the wrong base and we can no longer coming to agreement with you or be in fellowship with you. Right. Cause you were saying that it, it's not a council that's like coming together from different faith backgrounds going, let's plan a community event to, you know, provide food for the homeless. Like right. that's, that's like a good thing that everybody can kind of get around. But these councils were, like you said, discussing doctr doctrinal scriptural things. And when you have people from different faith backgrounds talking about your, what you believe right. and they don't believe it, yep, you run into a lot of issues. Right. So now remember the first councils or gatherings or ecumenical meetings involved Christians throughout the known world at the time, mm -hmm. the Roman Empire. So however they were notified that there was a meeting taking place, they would travel and they would get together in these councils. Now we can name them all. Basically the first seven gatherings or councils, you know, the Council of Nicaea, that was probably the first one. Then there's the Council of Constantinople and there's several other ones. Basically they were made up of the early church Christians and at the time the name Catholic hmm. became um, mainstream. Hmm. 
So they're gathering, they're discussing doctrine, and creeds were written. What is a creed? It's a confession. Right. It's a confession of your faith. What do you believe? This is my creed. So they'd write these creeds, which weren't necessarily chapter and verse, but you can line up the things they were confessing Hmm. with chapter and verse, Hmm. or with the Bible itself, or with what they called scriptures. So this is like a, a rabbit trail a little bit, but when I worked at Apple... We actually had, they gave us when we first got hired, a, the Apple Creed, Credo. Wow. And it basically outlines like what they strive to do, like their mission and what they believe. And like as an employee, now obviously at that, like I still, I didn't agree with everything they said, but um, it all sounds nice. It all sounded nice, right? right? But as an employee, you were like to represent what you believe by like, or by, by yeah, by what the company believes right. is their credo that they give wow. to all their their community, which is the shared formulization yeah. of yeah, what they believe, system. their value system. Yeah, so I think that's like really interesting. It just popped up in my mind that that the that we Apple Creed, one. yeah, the Apple Creed, not to be mistaken with Apollo Creed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Creed Three is coming out. Oh, really? It looks amazing. Oh, wow! I'm Shoot. a big Rocky fan. Was raised on rocky one through five and we used to travel this is a you know sidebar we had those one of those early conversion vans do you remember them like that like the big top on them oh yeah they were like they were like an economy hotel (laughs) in 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 a van there was a tv and a vcr and we used to watch the rockies oh that's awesome every trip over and over again and one trip my mom asked for one of the Rockies. I forget. We just got done watching it. We were quoting the, every line to the movie, and she goes, can I have one of those? And she, we, we handed her the, I think it was like Rocky Four or something, and she rolled down the, the window and just threw it out the window. And we like lost it. Oh, but my she, They gosh. had enough listening to us. <laughs> I don't know why I told you that other than to say we are human. We have lives other than And studying. your mom's a savage. Yeah, <laughs> mom's a savage. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Creek 3 is coming out. <laughs> So we're talking about the importance of these councils right. <laughs> and creeds, creeds being written. One of the more famous creeds is the Apostles' Creed. Okay. I remember quoting the, the Apostles' Creed, Ethan, when I was going to a church growing up when I was a kid. Hmm. At the end of every service, if my memory serves me correctly, we would quote the Apostles' Creed. And you can look up the Apostles' Creed and read it, I guarantee you the first several lines you will have heard. In fact, they made songs out of the Apostles' Creed. You want me to read the Apostles' Creed? Yeah. They do it. I should have this memorized, and I actually <laughs> kind of do. I didn't want to botch it, though. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His Holy Son, our Lord. Now, right away, we stop and go, can you find Bible verses that affirm those three lines? The answer is yes. Okay, so we're on the right biblical track. Who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. That line has come under great dispute, hmm. right? Hmm. There's, a, there's a Now, again, the councils later on would discuss, did he descend into hell? Hmm. 
And there's an argument even to this day on where did Jesus go after he was crucified and in and in, in the earth, the belly mm. of the earth for three days. Mm. Okay, so the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Now stop. Mm. This is not the Holy Catholic Church as we know it. Oh, okay. When they used that term Catholic, they were using it with the true sense of of the meaning, huh. the universal church, like believers everywhere. Like B, Big C yeah, Christian Big C church. church. That's right, yeah. Big C Church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. That's the Apostles' Creed. Who wasn't That wasn't written by the Apostles, though. Good clarification. That was not written by the Apostles. So again... Yeah. A uh, hundred or two hundred years later, maybe more, that's documented at a council, hmm. written as a creed, circulating. Now, why would they do that? There had to have been a way to express their faith in short form. Hmm. Hey, you're a Christian? What do you believe? <laughs> Cue the creed. Huh. They would quote this creed, which was the short form version of all of the manuscripts and all of the epistles and all of the scriptures in several sentences condensed. Wow, okay. That's why creed. Huh. That's why you should have a creed. Did, so at this time, maybe I'm getting a little ahead, ahead of, of you, but um, were the creeds, like people associating with them, were they, were they like the modern day denomination, you know, of like, oh, I, you know, we believe in the Apostles' Creed. Oh, well, we believe in the Nicaea Creed. You know, like, uh, is that... So, the more they met, right? So, with time and, let's say, separation from the first century believers who witnessed Jesus and knew of, you know, the disciple John, you know, he visited our church before he died. Hmm. Like, second century, it was as real as it gets because you're not you're not that far displaced right. from when it was birthed. Right. As time went on and they needed clarification, you can't just go ask Peter or Paul, <laughs> "Hey, what did what did that mean? Right. When you wrote this, what did that mean?" Hmm. So it was it was it shouldn't have been, but it was open to interpretation. Hmm. So now, let's have a council. We all are gathered together under that banner. So there's no denominations at this point, Ethan. Okay, wow. There's no denomination. There's formations of having different belief systems that are beginning to form. Huh. And creeds were written. So yeah, as 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 time went on and more councils occurred, then you begin to see, and here's the danger, then you begin to see the wedge or the division settle in hmm. or disputes over something that was previously believed or written. Hmm. Well, I don't see it that way. So think, think about that. Even today, hmm. progressive Christianity is built on that very idea. Well, you know what? That was that was written a long time ago. The culture today has changed. Right. It's like, okay. Right? So that's not really considered sin anymore because it's acceptable by the common people. So what did we just do there? We just took something that had a baseline to it, hmm. and we began to fill the gap of time yeah. and interpret it from our own lens. Wow. To which, again, the whole point of doing a... Uh, uh, a show like this and a season like this is to get Christians to have a biblical worldview and to see the roots and the rights of the early church, the origin and the order 
of the early church and close the gap yep. as much as depends on us. We have a lot of stuff that has happened since the early church to where we're at today. Correct. So we're trying to backtrack to That's get right. back to that point. That's right. So, so I, I mean, you can read some of the councils over the years. Remember, there was probably seven that the Protestant church, and again, I'm, I'm even saying Protestant before the Protestant label was even um, a thing. Yeah, because that was what? 15th century. Yeah, yeah, okay. 14th so, to 15th century, 1500s. Yeah, these these councils, these seven councils happened between like 300 AD through like... Present before, day. Through, yeah, well, the seven right here were like ended in 787. All right, so the AD. seven are the ones that, let's just say, um, most people that call themselves Christians today and in that time would say, we believe that some of the decisions that were made during those ecumenical councils, those gatherings, are biblical. Hmm. Maybe not all. But yeah, those first seven meetings for the early church, yeah, there was some fruit that occurred in getting people together to discuss doctrine and policy. Interesting. The next two, which would make nine, are well-received by, I think, the Anglican church. And then the next Till 21, there's 21 councils that are recorded in history, the Catholic Church claims. Oh, wow. And Christians stopped coming to those meetings. Huh. Because decisions were being made that the Christian, at the time, the true name Christian, disagreed with. Hmm. So you see a separation even there. Not on just a preference basis, but a scriptural, this is not aligned with scripture basis. Like, we're, we got to distance ourselves. So apostolic succession was the Catholic Church's argument that they had the authority to make certain decisions that would ultimately, and they wouldn't say it like this, but it's what it's what occurred, change doctrine. Hmm. Because they claimed that if Peter was the first pope, and you follow that line of thought, remember Constantine claims to be the supreme ruler, which is where we get the origination of hmm. a pope being the vicar of Christ. You follow those hierarchical, threads and then you get a council that's saying oh we have the authority to make a decision about this tradition because we're like the new apostles of our day we are the apostle wow the pope is the apostle he has the authority and his voice carries weight so net this is where you get a lot of these the past three episodes indulgences purgatory praying to saints confessing your sins to a priest Wow. The veneration of the Holy Mother Mary. All those took place at these meetings. That's crazy. And became known as practices of the Catholic Church through all of those years. And here's the interesting thing that nobody talks about. If you were to go against that, there was martyrs upon martyrs during those times that stemmed from protesting. Wow. The Holy Roman Catholic Church. So those were like the original, the OG Protestants. That's right. Before the Protestant Reformation, there were those that were protesting. Wow. Before the main Protestant, Martin Luther, this was happening for ages, but they were being silenced. That's why we Uh, call it the Dark Ages. For like eight, yeah, for like 700 years, right? Yep. There's a lot of people that were killed. And, And this is where you get the Holy Wars, right? This is where you get the church taking territory in the name of God, right? you know, killing Muslims or Muslims killing 
Catholics or Christians and like, you don't know who's who. Right. Remember I said in one of the episodes, if the banner that was flung over the movement had anything to do with violence Hmm. or blood, that's the opposite of what Jesus said the church was supposed to do and be about. Yep. So that's how you go. You go, wait, where was the early church during that time? Steady serving the Lord, sharing the gospel, serving the least of these in the community, um, praying for the sickly. You know, they were the the true social services <laughs> of their day. Wow. I know we talked about this a little bit before, sort of like in the very beginning, but like you have these councils coming together, ecumenical, you mentioned. Um, debate can often be very healthy, right? Like sure. iron, iron sharpening iron in, you know, a belief sense, a theological doctrinal sense for like you and I, for example, or, you know, the elders at our church, the pastors at our church kind of debating or just kind of like, you know, just having, yeah, having some healthy discussion about scripture can be good when those people have a solid foundation in biblical Christianity. Correct. But then there's danger when you invite people in to debate or to talk through things that do not align themselves. So, what was the like effect that that had on the church and did these councils like help the church at all or did they only hurt the church? So like I said, the first seven and we'll put, put a link that you can literally click on each of those councils and read what was accomplished there. After the seven councils, the rest of them isolated the Roman Catholic church from everyone else hmm so it's like the true formation of the holy roman catholic church as they called themselves so there was no more invitation to um somebody that claimed to follow christ a christian it was just catholic it was just catholic and this is where you see doctrinal differences come out of these councils and these gatherings that are still standing today wow. and is primarily one of the main reasons when you follow this thread, it's so fascinating. One of the councils that took place less than a hundred years ago was the second Vatican council, right? So mm. true talk in the 1960s, not too long ago they gathered and it was at that particular gathering leaders that claimed Catholicism gathered and they made such decisions that you begin to see today wow and i'm i'm getting ahead of myself here you begin to see today the intention of the pope locking arms with other faith leaders to create interfaith communities hmm. ecumenical in its truest sense gathering of other people of different faith persuasions you know, you got the Pope locking arms with the Grand Ayatollah, who's an imam. He, he's the chief Muslim leader. And even other Christians by name, wow. right? There's a religion created today. Are you aware it's called Chrislam? It's a it's a marrying <laughs> between Christianity and Islam. Oh, my gosh. All right, now, I'm, and I'm not saying the Pope has affirmed that, but in his actions on the ecumenical stage globally, you are beginning to see, what is this one world religion that Revelation chapter 17 
and the false who is this false prophet how does that even sweep the world and you're like oh my gosh <laughs> starting to see it <laughs> you're starting to see the the abrahamic family house wow as a microcosm of interfaith relations you know we all serve the same god each of those faiths the jewish faith so that would be a synagogue the muslim faith which is a mosque and even you know they, they call it christian but it's not the catholic faith which is a cathedral right wow. all on the same grounds right because we all are worshiping the same god and and they trace everything back to who abraham huh because abraham's the father of all nations wow and you can trace every one of those religions back to abraham but then we share common ground on some of the prophets and guess who's listed as one of those prophets Jesus. Jesus. Hmm. And this is where we would differ yeah, greatly. Yeah. This is where we stop. Yeah. <laughs> we go, wait a second. Full stop. Yeah. Jesus is God hmm. in the Christian faith, the true Christian faith. Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. Hmm. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. Yep. Not the Pope. So we're now differing on doctrines yeah. that are non-negotiable. Second Corinthians 13, five says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith, not do you have faith? Are you in the faith? This was a faith built on scripture. It then says, test yourselves. And I love that idea. Testing yourself. Are you in the right faith? Do you not know yourselves? It says that Jesus Christ is in you. Unless indeed you are disqualified, like translation, hmm. unless he's not in you. And if he's not in you, then it's easy to depart from the beaten path. Hmm. And this is probably the most important thing to know about this time period of councils and creeds. Can you read a creed hmm. and see whether or not it's true faith? Right, right. And the only way you can do that is if you know the Bible. Yeah. Again, it always comes back to, do you know the word of God? Yeah. And a lot of people have been deceived by some of these creeds and some of these decisions, all types of religions and denominations, because they don't know actually what's in the original mm. manuscripts, the Bible. Yeah. We've talked about that for like several episodes about the importance of each individual knowing the word. Um, obviously, for creeds and councils, we just talked about that for the Roman Catholic faith they were able to sneak in a lot of things because people didn't know the word, you right. know? So it's all, it all comes back to that. Right. So th this is a lot, right? The, all these councils throughout the establishment of the Roman Catholic church to today, the creeds, you know, their confessions about, you know, what believers believe and they share those creeds um, from different viewpoints. Oh, there's, there's a lot there. So what does it mean? Why is it important? And how do we see this idea of councils and creeds shaping what's going on today? Perfect question. The early gatherings, to be very clear, these councils, these ecumenical meetings were fruitful. When you look into what was discussed, what decisions were made, it made for a more organized church. But the more they met, and the more they dissected and discussed 
doctrines that were accepted and even passed down for the decades prior, you begin to see a change. Doctrinal differences occur. Hmm. And then a lot of these gatherings began to isolate what is known as the Roman Catholic Church. Again, hmm. they're the church that we often talk about when we say church history, which is one of the main arguments against God. Hmm. Well, I don't believe in God because of this. And usually what the this is, fill in the blank, is something in church history that is not the true church. Yeah, The creeds that were written, and there were so many others, we're not going to get into those. You can read them on your own. The creeds were the confessions of faith to bottle your faith in a paragraph form to be able to express, this is what we believe. That's the creed. Hmm. As time went on again, as you distance yourself from the original documents, the original doctrines, the original devotion to the true church of Jesus Christ, the apostles, the disciples, the writings of that, the, those early believers, you begin to see new traditions formed. Hmm. Today, ecumenical gatherings around the world still occur and shape world religions. Wow. So they're not built on the true gospel of repentance, that there is an afterlife of heaven and hell based on what you do with Jesus, and you're seeing the formation of interfaith agreements that were compatible we're all serving the same God, hmm. and it's interesting. The formation of a one-world religion is the result of some of these newer ecumenical gatherings wow. where Christians are saying, like Rick Warren, we can have compatibility with Catholics and Muslims, and you're going, you've just compromised because Catholics have, as we've discussed, hmm. have different doctrines than we do. And, of course, Muslims. So those are the larger faith units and ecumenical gatherings. We're all doing this under the banner of love and unity. Yeah, That's it, what God would want us to do. Yeah, it's a cutesy bridge the gap type of, you know, thing that burns burns the bridge for for the believer. Right. Or should burn the bridge. <laughs> right. Um, and you said something there um, that we're not compat like it's it makes it incompatible and it it devalues the exclusivity like you were talking about earlier the exclusivity of the gospel um, not in that term that we always use day to day like oh that's exclusive but the inclusivity exclusivity of Christianity it totally erases that when you start trying to find compatibility that's not there so that was a lot to take in but uh, I think it was a good conversation about co uh, councils and creeds. But that's that's about it for this time period to a degree. Um, in the coming episodes, we're going to be talking uh, briefly about the first major church split um, between, Roman between Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. And then we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about what was happening faith-wise, religion-wise, the, in the Eastern part of the world not as far east not the far east in asia uh but the middle east and then after that we're going to keep on trucking along and eventually get to the protestant protestant reformation and continue with this and then continue with this timeline 
that we've been tracking with for this season. We're starting at the early church. Boom, that's the point. And then we're going to get to eventually get to where we're at today. That's the second point. So we're, we've passed the early church. We've finally made our way sort of past this Roman Catholicism time period birthplace. Um, and then we're going to be making our way down the line and bridging the gap, not bridging the gap, closing the gap of the church then and the church now. And we want to get back to that. So if you enjoyed this episode, please like the episode and subscribe to the podcast to listen to uh, more upcoming episodes and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your network. Um, We've gotten a really good amount of feedback um, and just a steady growing listener base, which is really encouraging for us um, because we put a lot of time and energy and our hearts into this. And so uh, we just want to say thank you for those who are listening. We really appreciate you guys. And we appreciate when you share this podcast with others. Um, You can find more information about this podcast, about us, your hosts, and um, you can ask a question for the Q&R episode happening at the end of the season, all at rechurchpodcast.com. And that's about it. We will see you guys in the next... We will see you guys in the next episode. God bless.